Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So the Canadian Medical Association and the Canadian Nurses Association issued a joint statement a couple of days ago. And uh, the statement says that Canada's health system is on life support. In fact, the headline is Canada's health system is on life support. Health workers call for urgent mobilization to address shortages, burnout, and backlog issues. Dr. Catherine Smart is the president of the Canadian Medical Association. Dr. Smart, how are you? I always like to ask doctors how you are. <laughs> good to talk to you, Roy. I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on your show. Yeah, it's good to have you back. I mean, nobody ever asks a doctor, how are you? And we always want to say, take my blood pressure, take, give me a blood test, give me some kind of test because I don't feel well, so I always like to ask doctors. But before we get into detail from the CMA and the Canadian Nurses Association joint news release so about how serious this crisis is, we do know that healthcare in Canada prior to COVID, so we go back two and a half years or just over two years, was under great stress already with 5 million Canadians having no primary physician and wait times were significantly concerning. So in an overall context, before details, how much worse has it gotten in the last two years? Yeah, I think, you know, that is such an important point for people to understand is that the healthcare system has been failing for a long time and that is not new. But what happened is we had a system already really struggling, and then it was put in a massive pressure cooker from COVID, um, and it has exacerbated and worsened and just deepened those issues that were already very present. So, you know, no question, I think things have been going in the wrong direction for a long time. Um, and now this crisis, if anything, I think it's just really brought it much more to the forefront of people's minds because we've been hearing about healthcare almost daily now for two years. Yeah, and we know... I think the last number I saw that the number of backlogged surgeries was approaching 400,000. Is that correct? Oh, I, at least. Yeah, I, I, I suspect that's probably even a low number. So, yeah, it is literally hundreds of thousands of people waiting for surgery. And, you know, and I, I think, again, what's so important to think about is, is the people behind those numbers, you know, because these are not surgeries that are nice to have surgeries. These are people with chronic pain that can't walk, have arthritis, you know, have earlier stages of cancer that may be progressing. I mean, these are serious things and there's been huge impacts in terms of people's quality of life uh, because of these very extended waits. So now this also impacts, and this is one of the key points you make in the news release, the Canadian Medical Association and the Canadian Nurses Association, this impacts the frontline healthcare providers the doctors, the nurses, the paramedics, everyone who works in the front lines of healthcare is being affected by this. Shortage of numbers of people, massive numbers of cases, huge backlog. And you write in the in this in this release, without immediate action, there's little hope for the future. It's very concerning. I mean, no, this is, is dire. Yes, concerning. Um, you know, and and I think that's the thing is, you know, we've been happy to see that the number of people needing hospitalization for COVID has been decreasing, which is great. But when you talk to people working in the hospital, the hospitals are no less full. What they're seeing is those spots now are being taken up by people who did not have health care during the pandemic, whose chronic conditions have gotten worse. So most hospitals are still running 110%, 120% over capacity all the time. Um, so, you know, it, it's not that one problem went away or, or it's clearly not even gone yet, but maybe was improving a bit. 
and okay, the pressure's off. No, the pressure's dialed right in. And I think that's what's so deeply worrisome is there's just no real relief in sight. And up till now, we haven't really seen a solid plan about what our government's going to do to help us move through this and move out ahead and actually have a healthcare system that's going to work for people. Well, unfortunately, healthcare has for generations now been a political football. It's been, it got attention or gets attention during election time. And then later on, it's just, well, you know, we'll just throw money, a certain amount of money at, at everybody. And then we'll say, we've done our, our responsibility. Or we've, we've, we've done our due diligence. But you talk about in this release what the key priorities are to create, quote, a robust, um, well, I don't, I'm getting right into the, into the individual pieces here. Tell us what the, the key priorities are, Dr. Smart. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it would probably be a bit shocking for your listeners to know that even though healthcare is arguably the single biggest expenditure of different levels of government, there is no clear plan in terms of human health resources and how we move forward, a data infrastructure to allow us to actually monitor the care that we're giving, be accountable for it, look at quality and make decisions based on that data and that feedback. So it's really amazing to think that our plan just doesn't exist. We're kind of shooting in the dark. And, and I think that comes back to what you said earlier. You know, if you get, oh, let's put more money here, let's more put more money there. But how do we know what we're getting for those investments when we have no plan of what it is we're even trying to achieve and no data to actually monitor it? So, you know, w- when we met with uh, the nurses and other healthcare professionals at our summit, we're hearing those same things. You know, no one's seeing a plan in their area of practice. We're really calling on the government to create a national health workforce plan. We're calling on the government to create a data infrastructure so that we can be monitoring where we're going in terms of human health resources plan for it, but also be monitoring what's happening in terms of care in the system so that we can know where we need to be making investments and be accountable for the investments that are being made. Um, So those were two of the big things that we think need to really happen right away. And then the deeper, broader issue is really understanding that there does need to be systems transformation. You know, you, you opened the show by talking about 5 million Canadians without access to primary care. Well, there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is the old systems of primary care that started in, you know, in the 60s and 70s don't work in our current world. They don't work with an aging population, increasing complexity of healthcare problems. And we need to reimagine what primary care looks like if we want people to continue working in that area and if we want Canadians to have access to that type of care. But again, that's going to take, you know, rolling up the sleeves, getting to the table with, with actual people, family doctors who are experts in this and coming up with solutions collaboratively. And at this point, that's, we're just not seeing that happen on the level that it needs to happen for it to be meaningful. Yeah, uh, one of your predecessors, actually several of your predecessors have said to me over the years that not only is do we have an aging population, but uh, by extension, it just makes sense that we have an aging physician population as well. And uh, a statistic from a few years ago suggested that doctors are retiring more quickly than the general population. So that just makes the situation worse. If we have 5 million people out of 37 million who are without a family doctor and doctors are retiring more quickly than the general population is, not that you stop needing health care after you retire, but it's a statistic that comes into play. All those numbers don't, they don't speak well for the, certainly not for the immediate future if, if they're not ad- addressed. No, absolutely. And and the National Physician Health Survey that we just conducted at the CMA, we had 42% of physicians say they're planning to cut down their work hours over the next two years, and another 18% that are thinking about it. 
So it's a huge issue. And, you know, again, when there is no actual plan for the number of physicians that are needed for the population, recognizing that, you know, this physicians are wanting to start to have some work-life integration. You know, the traditional way of working 100 and 120 hours a week for your whole life, what I like to say is, you know, sacrificing yourself on the altar of medicine. People are not necessarily willing to do that anymore, which I think is appropriate. No one should be living their life like that. But we have a system that's designed to expect that level of altruism and self-sacrifice. And that's not going to be sustainable. We need a system where healthcare professionals obviously can work hard, but can work in a reasonable way so that there's some balance there. And I think if we're not accounting for that in the system, it's going to fail. And that's kind of where we find ourselves. Let me just uh, give you one more question here as we start to uh, run a little short on time, but we've often talked about looking at international examples of healthcare delivery, and we've looked at hybrid systems that work in other countries, and they work quite well. And and there was a study done by the CMA of hybrid system or other international systems of healthcare, and some recommendations were made. What happened to that? Is it just gathering dust somewhere? Are we waiting for another study? What's going on? Well, I think, you know, like you said, part of our challenge in our healthcare system is there's been many studies and many different recommendations, and they all are sort of sitting on a shelf gathering dust. Um, But I I think a big part of the problem, right, is it's challenging to solve a problem when you have not acknowledged the problem exists. So we have a failing healthcare system. We have a healthcare system that's on life support. But of course, our politicians don't necessarily want to say that out loud because there's not going to be a politician or a leader who's going to get up and say, under my watch, the healthcare system's not working. No, (laughs) because that's. We don't admit and own the problem, right? Exactly. Start to solve it. And I think that's why we keep ending up here is, is no one wants to really be honest with Canadians. Yes, this is a crisis. And, and we need to move to that stage. Then once we've admitted it, then we can find and actualize these solutions. But right now we're still in this sort of, you know, rose-colored glasses. So it's going to be fine. Well, you know, it, it's actually not fine. Um, and okay. so I'm hoping that we can start to see that. Okay, I'm going to start a collection of rose-colored glasses. We're going to go around and just take them away from people. Please do. <laughs> If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.